Hello, hello. Welcome to the motherfucking show. Come on in. I've got a really long and very interesting one installed for you guys. This is my first guest on the podcast. Um, and it's with my brother, Frank or Franklin. Uh, we discuss mental health, spirituality, kind of just led into that because he's a very spiritual person. Um, and I really wanted to get him to share his experience and I guess discuss mental health as a whole. I think it's something that is really good and we do talk about it. It is very commonly spoken about now, which is great, but obviously there's still a long way to go and really kind of just hear it from a person who has a mental health a disorder or mental health illness and hear about his experience um yeah that's pretty much it i want to keep this intro really short because it's a fucking long segment or an episode but i hope you guys enjoy the podcast frank you are my first guest on this podcast thank you so much for making the time to come and speak about um, what we will get into in a second. Um, so I want to, let's just jump right into it really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Frank, for everybody who doesn't know, is my brother. Um, we have a pretty large age gap actually, mm. and which has always been like a pretty interesting dynamic. I think um, having like a sibling who's what, how old? 13, 14 years older than me? Yeah, like I, don't, I don't sort of think about age gap. I think more that... <laughs> I think more in terms of me changing your nappies. Like, <laughs> that's how old. That's how old, how old age gap is. Yeah, I think that's always been the yeah. Like it, it was more in terms of relationship between siblings. I think it was more like a a father figure for like how I see you and feel my other brother. Um, but yeah, anyway, we've got Frank on today's episode, and it'll probably go for a little bit longer as well. And he's my first guest, so I'm really excited to. Um, get him on and get him to speak about his experience about mental health Mm. and specifically bipolar. Um, So this will be a really interesting one. I don't think I've ever delved too deeply in this conversation with you. So I'm really, really excited as well to kind of see what you have to say and learn a bit more about where you were and your opinions are on this kind of topic and your experience. Yep. Yep. So we'll just get into it. Um, This is going to be a pretty free-flowing one. So I'll get you maybe just to talk a little bit about yourself. Mm -hmm. It feels like a job interview. (laughs) Talk Talk a little bit about yourself. Let everybody know kind of what you're all about. And yeah, and we'll go from there. Okay, cool. Um, I'll keep I'll keep this part about myself uh, uh, relatively short because I think as we share like stories and and experiences and. Uh, and the rest of the conversation, that's where more can sort of uh, get uh, revealed. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty much like an ordinary guy, you know, Asian background, um, living in Southwest imagine, Sydney. Sorry, imagine you're just like, I'm, not Asian. I'm actually white. I'm white, yeah, I'm half white. <laughs> Jen- Jennifer's got a, a half white. <laughs> sorry, go on. Yeah, so, uh, you know, grew up uh, pretty, pretty good, um, uh, you know, uh, like you would have heard in other other podcast episodes from Jennifer, um, you know, good upbringing, good family, loving, caring, um, you know, uh, sort of like lower to middle class, um, kind of struggled a little bit like financially, but never um, 
you know, never to the extent of like poverty or anything. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I studied, I, I ended up doing software engineering in uni, um, ended up working for a lot of the banks, um, so banks in uh, in Sydney. Frank from the bank. Frank from the bank, yeah. <laughs> Gotta give you that name. <laughs> uh, so here and in London, so I spent a few years uh, living and working in London and traveling in Europe, um, all, all around Europe and, and that kind of thing. So that was like a pretty good time um, uh, during my life. Um, lots of partying and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, Lots of raves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so so anyway, so in the end, um, came back uh, came back home and 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 right now where I'm at is um, you know I've got like a, sm- uh, a small family, um, uh, myself, my wife, uh, my two young kids, uh, uh, a boy and a girl. So you know, perfect for me, perfect happy family. Um, <laughs> so yeah, can't perfect. ask yeah can't ask for much more. Um, but I guess it's a good segue because. Even though uh, things are, uh, at least how I feel, like it's it's really 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 sweet right now, um, hasn't always been like that. Um, uh, I think if we talk, uh, you know, because the, the theme today is is uh, mental health, so I'll focus on that. Um, uh, I think like if we talk about mental health, uh, um, the problem, like my sort of challenges with that. I think it's it sort of started like uh, during high school. During high school, I couldn't really sort of put my finger on it, but I, I was never, uh, I guess, like sort of like deeply happy. Like there, there was always, there was always some sort of like frustration, you know, like whether it be, you know, like a feeling of urgency that I wanted to get out there and make a lot of money and, and not sort of like live in a crap house anymore and, and you know, like have enough money to build um, a nice house for family and, and, and do all that kind of stuff. You know, like a lot of like this ambition and not being able to fulfill it like made me feel quite frustrated in a way. Um, Can I just quickly yep. ask, did you feel like you had a pressure on just you? Because no, I guess no, you were... no, like I never felt pressure. Okay. It was more that I, I wanted to do it. So it's a pressure that I put on myself. So moments when I when I can see it happening, and I see that I can do it, then I then I feel good for that moment. But then other moments where I I, I can't see it happening, or it's, or it doesn't feel like it's falling into place, then that's when the the like I guess like the anxiety or, or whatever comes up. But that's not really quite so much depression, like like uh, mental illness so much. Um, then I think like the next point is. When I, um, you know, like finished, uh, you know, finished uni, uh, you know, um, uh, went to went to London, um, you know, like did a lot of partying and and all that kind of stuff, and and then when I got back, um, I still felt like I got I got offered like you know a, a job at um, one of the banks, and they were paying like a lot of money, like. So much more than I I, I, I ever sort of uh, sort of thought at that point. Like I like I, I wished I could get it, but I never thought I would. But yeah. but anyway, so Maybe you I, manifested it. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, right. I, anyway, so the, the but the funny thing is, even though I did get it, uh, I was still I still found myself moments where like I'll go out drinking with friends, and and one time I remember we went to uh, you know a friend of a friend's place, and this guy had like this is in England. No, this is in Sydney. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so you're back from Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, back, back, back from, from London, London. Yeah. yeah. 
So I came back and, you know, like, so, so amongst like, like a lot of my friends, you know, like I was probably earning like way more than everyone, but, but going to this party, uh, going, going to this guy's house, went downstairs to the garage and he's got like Ferraris and he's, he's, he's like, oh, look at this. I've got, I just bought this car, a couple hundred grand. I got, I just bought this car, got this car, this car. And then, um, you know, it just, it just sort of like popped my bubble, you know, like for one, one moment I was feeling so great. Oh. Next moment I feel like, like, yeah, I'm, I'm nothing and I've got right. to achieve so much more. Because you were comparing yourself yeah. to him? Okay. Yeah. Well, in that, yeah. In that instant. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so anyway, like long story short, I wasn't satisfied. I felt that I was, I, I couldn't be satisfied. And right. so I ended up going to, uh, I, when I, when I finished that contract, I decided to take some time off mm-hmm. um and wanted to and then i went to india to study like buddhism right can i just quickly also ask yeah at this point have you been always thinking of going to india or was it like a spur because i feel like even um not in knowing you you've always been quite spiritual and I think you even introduced us to kind of or introduced me to like the law of attraction. I remember being in high school, I think, mm. and you were kind of explaining to me the concept. I think it was like the law of attraction. There's like three different, is it the law of attraction or like the three different laws? You introduced me to this idea of like manifestation. And at the time I was kind of just like, oh, okay, like that's great. I didn't right. really understand, understand it. Yeah. But yeah, like I kind of knew you were always like a, a pretty spiritual person did you always know that I like you wanted to go to India? What was the point where you basically made the decision to leave full time work and then go to India, or was it an and also was it a decision where you wanted to go to India for a really long time and you would come back and then you know go back to full time work, or what was kind of like your plan? Was it did you have a plan? I yeah. guess as well. So I didn't have a plan. Mm. I knew, I, to be honest, I didn't even really know what I was looking for. Right. All I knew was that I read a quote. It was from, it was on a, a poster when I was on one of my travel, on my, one of my trips. Mm-hmm. And it was a quote from the Dalai Lama. And, and I really resonated with that uh, quote. Mm-hmm. And because it was very, it was very true. I think it was like the paradox of life. Um, okay. Yeah, something like that. So uh, the quote is just the, par- the paradox. No, no. So the title of the the, the, okay. the the it's like a little poem, I guess. Okay, right. So it, it talks about the paradox of life. How um, anyway? I think like you can just look it up, but okay. it's it, the idea is that you you sort of strive for all these things, but in the but in the end, inside you're all empty. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. effectively. So that's sort of like the, the end. Yeah. So you um, saw that quote and then you were like, and and and, and, and it rang true to me. Right. Right. So I, I I I felt that okay. So this like this is true. Like it makes sense. And and so then I wanted to explore that a bit more. And then I like Googled and I found out that uh, the Dalai Lama and and uh, had an event in India mm-hmm. like at the end of the year for two weeks you know the timing was good right. so i i decided to take um to, to go yeah. right and but i didn't have a plan how how long I was going to go where i was going to like i knew that i was going to be there for those two weeks but i didn't but apart from that i didn't know if i was going to stay for a month two months six months whatever right? this whole time you still had like a full-time job or no no you, no so okay. I, so you this is taking a break yeah this is when like i finished up like my contract was coming to an end right so and it was perfect timing mm-hmm. so i can go i bit the bullet yeah. and then i started to go what was your like mental state at this point were you kind of aware of it or were you just no so like i think i think self? if i reflect if i reflect back now like my mental state was um 
uh, I guess it was still fine. To be honest, the thing with like a question like mental state is it's very subjective, yeah. right? Like someone can say, oh man, my, uh, like my, um, oh, I've got great mental state, but really like uh, it's completely yeah. not that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so but, but me reflecting just on my, my personal view, looking back, I, w- I wasn't fully clear. Mm-hmm. Like, my, like my mental state wasn't like optimal yeah. in the sense that, and, and the reason was because I was still just like corporate life, right? Like every Friday, still going, going drinks, still had... Sleeping for the weekend still. Yeah, still yeah. partying, mm-hmm. you know, still still like striving, like really, climbing you know... Climbing the ranks, yeah. climbing that corporate ladder. Yeah. Is that yeah. what you've always kind of wanted? Like after manager, senior manager? Yeah, less, less so with like... Position. Less so with position, but, but yeah, but in, in a way just more with... I guess more with money or yeah. like that. So, so I always felt that I'm, I'm going to work to a certain point and then I'm going to start a business and then I'm going to make it big and I'm going to make millions and then billions and that kind of stuff. Okay. That was always like the, the, the sort of underlying. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, what you were striving for. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you made that decision to go to India yeah. and when you went, so you went over there just to do a course or was it to just meet the Dalai Lama? Well, it was, it was, another thing I found out was that there was also a course, mm-hmm. like an introduction to Buddhism course that, mm-hmm. that was for like two weeks. Yeah. So those two linked right next to each other right. uh, because they, they're all like sort of Tibetan and it's, it's all in, in sort of, it's, it was synchronized. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going over there and, and doing the course um, and, and, and attending the, that two-week event. Okay. Yeah. So talk me through what, I guess, happened in the course, what the course kind of was about, what, what did that all entail? Yeah. So, so the event itself with the Dalai Lama was, uh, I didn't actually understand any of it because a lot of it was like Tibetan and even when I listened to the translation, it just didn't really make any sense. Okay. So I didn't really get that much out of that. But the course was like, like it blew my mind. Everything that was, I guess, like explained mm-hmm. um, in terms of what Buddhism is, it just sparked, like in my mind, it was, I was having this like mental explosion. I'm like, wow. that's so true. That's boom, boom, boom. Like it's, at least for me anyway, like um, I, could, I could really uh, seem to sort of resonate with it. Yeah, yeah. completely understand it. Just yeah. really feel yeah. everything that they're saying. Yeah. Like wow. it just, it just, it all, it all just made sense. Anyway, so it was very, it was very mixed emotions because all of those things were going on. Mm-hmm. But then another thing that was going on was that, and this is where it started to slide into like the, um, the delusional slope, okay. like path. Yeah. Was that I, I started to, I started to have thoughts of like how incredibly like wise was the Buddha to have seen this, you know, like, and, and to be able to explain it so... In a way where you just understand it. Yeah, like... Articulate it so great. Yeah, well, it's not just... It's not so much just the articulation, but it's it's the... Discovery? It's, yeah, it's it's the ability to encapsulate life and sort of, like, explain that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, like, you know, if, if someone asks you to, to, to explain how to use your phone, mm-hmm. you know, you can explain that to them, right? Yeah. But if someone, like, asks you to explain what is life, where do you even start? And how do you explain it in such a way that makes sense and, and rings true and that you can't refute it? 
it's when like, you listen to it, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. that is actually how it is. There's no if ands or buts. Yeah. yeah. And 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 the thing that blew my mind as well is that there was no at least what I learned anyway, there was no there was no sort of like religion in it. It could have been called anything. It could it could have been called philosophy. Right. It could have been called whatever. Like give it a name, right? Any name you want. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's what it is. It's just teachings of, of life. Yeah. Right. So it so so it wasn't uh, you know, you got to believe this and believe that, and you're going to take my word for this or that. Yeah. It was just straight out. This is the way life works. Mm-hmm. Test it. If if it if it rings true to you, yeah. take it on board. Yeah. Can you give us like an example of what he kind of taught you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like, like I still I still live by it. Yeah. To to this day, mm-hmm. and and let's say for example, like one of the most fundamental things is that that this life that you live in mm-hmm. the suffering that you go through in this life and, and 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 people don't really like the word suffering but it's like anything that's got to do with discomfort or anything that you don't like right like all of the things that 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 make you unhappy in life is all due to one reason What's that? there's actually a, a deeper reason but okay. for the com- for the purpose of this conversation I'll yeah. just say at this level and that reason is they call it like attachment. Okay. And attachment is you are attached to something. Mm-hmm. And because you are attached to something, that causes you to suffer. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it causes you to suffer is because if you are attached, let's say for example, this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. If you are attached to making a really good podcast, and that doesn't happen, mm. you're going to suffer, mm. right? So could you also say, does, is that kind of aligning with having expectations? Or is that different? Having expectations. Like, I expect that this podcast does well, and if it doesn't happen, then I'm going to be disappointed, which will cause me suffering. Yeah, so it could, it could yeah. Like, so okay. you could use, like, different words. Right. But the... the, the There's still an attachment there. Yeah, yeah. it's that, 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 that in, in uh, I guess, like, Buddhist sort of language, mm-hmm. they would say, like, they would, they would call that attachment. Right. Because you are, you are attached to the result. Mm-hmm. You want the result to be like that. Yeah. You know? So the beautiful thing about that is when you realise that, then as soon as you let go of the attachment, then you then it is impossible no it is impossible to suffer yeah. right if you let go of the attachment to the result of having a good podcast yeah. then whether it's the best podcast medium best like you know an okay one or a really crap one it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because you're yeah. not attached to the result like that attachment is a thing that applies to every single aspect of your life mm-hmm. from the smallest thing to the biggest thing yeah. from the biggest thing being could be you know you're attached to this idea of of for me before like having a double story house for family to the smallest thing like you know i'm i'm attached to my daughter not uh, uh listening like listening to me or not yeah. swearing back at me mm-hmm. you know or or that she has to get good grades or she yeah. has to have a good good uh, uh job when she grows up mm-hmm. you know like it, it's it's literally it pervades like every single aspect of your life yeah and the thing that we are unaware of is that yeah, we're just unaware of it. Like we're just attached to basically everything, everything right? Yeah. And then when things don't happen our way, we then we get upset. Or, or sometimes we try to handle it. Mm. We try to manage it, 
you know, like, oh, oh it's okay. Like, I'll, I'll try to let it go. But that's okay. That's better than, that's better than reacting, right? But it's not, but in my opinion, it's not hitting the root. Right. You're not going to the core of like, of the thing that is stopping you from having a, an amazing, like, life. blissful life, yeah. right? So in theory, anyway, in theory, if you were able to take all of your attachments and, and get rid of all of your attachments, then you will, then you will live like a blissful life. Mm. And I say that's in theory because it's, it's obviously not easy to mm. do, but it's not also just a theory because it is possible. And people, who, this is just, this is my opinion from what I understand, like the greats that we always hear about, you know, the Buddha's, the Jesus's, the the Muhammad's, mm-hmm. the you know, like all, all the greats, yeah. right? You know, Mother Teresa's. I'm not sure, okay, but you yeah. know, like those people have reached that level of consciousness mm-hmm. to the point where they have let go of all those things right. and they live these this blissful life. And it doesn't matter to them. That's yeah. why a lot of them they don't care what people think of them or what mm-hmm. people do to them or or if they get locked up in jail for decades yeah, and. Yeah. and or anything, it's, it's you know. Just free. It's yeah, yeah, and and wow. and that's the thing that like all of us can have, mm. right? Uh, because we we all have a human brain to to understand this, and yeah. therefore we can we can all like make work. that decision we, to to do that, and, yeah, and take steps in order to kind of achieve that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. So really yeah. So anyway, like that was one. Of, like that's an example of like one of the things that blew my mind, right? Because yeah. when I reflected, I was like, that's exactly the thing that was killing me like mm-hmm. like that's why i was that's why i was happy when i was like around people where i was earning you know a lot more than them and then as soon as i met a guy who's like you know way out of my league mm-hmm. then all of a sudden like i'm i'm worthless mm-hmm. you know and why is it that 5 minutes before i'm 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 on the top of the hill and then 5 minutes later i'm the bottom of the ocean you know like um, obviously it's just something that's gone inside myself mentally and I couldn't solve that problem. So what ended up happening is I just, I, I, I suffered in that. Mm-hmm. I came home, I still remember it. Like I, cause you know, went out drinking and stuff, came home and I just, I just had this like raging, like ambition to, yeah, to, to do better. And, wow. but it, but it was, but it was a painful experience. Oh, you know, it wasn't like a, oh, come on guys, let's yeah. do this. You know, it was like, you need to do something like, to I, prove yourself. Yeah. Like I, like I got to do it. Like, it's like almost like, I feel like I'm pathetic. Like why haven't you achieved this already? You know, right. you should, you should have already achieved this, you know, like you got to do it. You got to make it happen, blah, 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 blah. But it wasn't a positive energy. Mm. It was, it was very negative. Right. This understanding or this, this teaching, teaching showed me that, it's not the achievement of the things that you wish that will give you the satisfaction, mm-hmm. but it's actually the letting go of the need to achieve it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is actually, which is actually very mind blowing, right? Yeah. But, my, but, sorry, my mind is very blown true, right now. True. Very true. Yeah. yeah. But, but the beautiful thing is the letting go of it, you can do that straight away. Mm. right if you've got the goal of achieving like you know the mansions and the ferraris and all that and 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 you strive to achieve that that's a long journey and it's painful and it's and you might not even achieve it right Mm. and it's painful right and and even when you get that 
it won't even make you happy because it's going to be the next thing, right? It's going to be the boat and the, and the and whatever. Yet on the flip side, what actually gives you even more like true satisfaction, true joy is actually letting go of that. Yeah. And you can do that like right now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So that, that's, that's what like I, like that's one that, of the teachings. Yeah. That's one of the teachings. And, and that's one of the things that I still practice uh, to this day, mm-hmm. which is obviously like there's still many, many, many tons, layers and yeah. layers of crap that I have to go through. Mm-hmm. But like slowly, slowly, I'm just sort of letting go more and more of it. Mm-hmm. And the more I let go of it, the lighter life becomes, yeah. the more joyful it is. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you know, like when you, when, when, when people, you, you sort of see people and you say like, people who enjoy like the little things in life or they don't have much, but they're really happy. Yeah. Like, like, mm-hmm. It's like, I, I feel like that's the kind of person that you kind of become. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's, how, that's kind of how I feel. Like yeah. you, you kind of really don't really need that much to be happy because yeah. you're letting go of all these things. Right. And, and then, so you find the, the joy in like the littlest things. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, it's, it's achievable like now rather yeah. than waiting 10 years until yeah. you get that. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was really, yeah. I feel like I, I'm always, every single time, like I even talk to you, um, I feel like I always learn so much mm. and I always get so much out of just our, our conversations. Mm. So yeah, that was a, that was a really good piece. I guess we'll talk us kind of through if that, yeah, like obviously we kind of just went through a very deep, um, and quite spiritual conversation kind of talk us through now you're in India, you've done the course, you finished the course. Have you, so, so I guess like we, we should segue, we should get back into the, like the more mental Mm -hmm. illness. Right. Mm So, so this is what happened. Like during the course, it was actually a 10 day course and sort of like the last few days, I was up really late at night. Everyone's asleep, but I was up and I was writing in my in my little in my journal, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, so many like, cause my mind was just blown, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just writing, 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 writing like crazy. I had hardly any sleep at all. Mm-hmm. But then I started to sort of have these thoughts where they were heading towards like delusion. So, for example, uh, that organization apparently one of the the one of the people who started that organization like this monk has has not slept in the last like 30 years or something like wow. apparently right yeah. and was that just kind of like a rumor or did you that's that was a rumor that was right. like that's what people were saying okay. and, and 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 apparently it was because that he has such a level of uh, compassion for other people that mm-hmm. he says that sleeping is a disgusting waste of time right. right so he uses every single hour to do things to help other people that's, can I just also say that's really funny because I feel like you love sleep. Like you yeah. used to sleep too much. <laughs> Frank used to, I remember just like, even as a kid, I remember Frank, you just like wake up at like 12, one o'clock and I can still picture like your bed hair, your, yeah, yeah. your, your hair's going like one side. So you love sleep. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it was like, so did you try to achieve that? Is that yeah, what, yeah. Yeah. Long story short, at, uh, at one point I was like, okay, fine. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not I'm, I'm not going to sleep ever again. And then like, so I, end, I, I, I ended the course, but then bits and pieces of what other people were saying was starting to seep inside my mind. And, but I was taking it sort of like the wrong way. One of the other students was saying, like, when you find like your master, right, you're like, they call it your guru, right? So it's like the person that's going to guide you. When you truly know that he's your guru, then even if you're at the top of the cliff and he tells you to jump, you just jump. Like you don't think. Right, because that's the level of trust and bond that you have with your guru. Because mm-hmm. you know that there's no way he's ever gonna do you wrong, kind right. of thing, right? Yeah. So, so that was just a comment. I don't okay. know, right? But, yeah. 
but I was standing on the top of the the, the roof um, with other guys. There's like this this area, and people mm-hmm. were just chilling out, mm-hmm. and I started to have these thoughts of. I don't know if I was just imagining it, but like I was thinking, like, oh yeah, maybe he's he's kind of like hinting to me that that maybe it's we're gonna job. we're gonna do this test, you know? Like I like it didn't wasn't very clear, but it was starting to sort of head that way. Um, so anyway, like slowly, slowly it got worse. It started to go downhill. So I I, I left that place. Um, was this just a thought that you were thinking? It was just a thought. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. you didn't, didn't like, do anything. No action. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it did come up to your yeah, mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I left that place. Caught a bus. To, this is this part was just like touristy stuff. So mm-hmm. caught a bus to another place. Uh, like when I got off the bus and we had a break, I started to talk to these other guys who were also the people who go on tours like they're 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 all buddhists and they go to certain buddhist sites like key sites to uh to pray and and you know because they're special they're holy sites right Right. there's a special word for it it's not just in buddhism it's in any religion there's anyway there's a there's a term for it kind of like followers you know like that so anyway so they they um they got off the bus and then i started to sort of preach to them right Mm -hmm. so at this point i'm thinking that like i'm some sort of like enlightened like i i I see it not that reach enlightenment at this point but that i've I actually see it very clearly in a way that other people can't. That's very how I... God, God-like. Yeah, okay. almost like everyone sort of sees it just very ordinarily. Right. But I am somehow able to see it much clearer than everyone else. Right. And therefore, I'm going to sort of explain, mm-hmm. you know, like what the real teaching is kind of okay. thing, right? So anyway, so I, I talked to these guys and, and they're probably like, yeah, whatever. Um, and then after a while, I, I felt like it questioned my mind and and then i i felt like like i shouldn't be doing this because um this is this is like i'm I'm preaching to them you know like i'm like this is kind of egotistical like i shouldn't do this and when i thought that then my stomach started to hurt a little bit just a bit of a stomach ache and then when i spoke to one of the one of the guys i was preaching to he said you know sit down here i'll give you some tea and you'll feel better so i sat down i drank some tea and and pretty much straight away i felt better right then I decided um, I'm going to go over over there a little bit, uh, just a few meters down, and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to meditate. So I sat there and I started to meditate. And when I closed my eyes, these thoughts started coming to my head. So I started thinking like, so the question that arose was, do you really want to know what suffering is? And the reason why that question came up was during the course, I asked the teacher because one of the, the laws of Buddhism is life is suffering. Like, it, 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 that's just the nature of life. Then I thought, isn't that a very pessimistic way of looking at life? Why don't we flip all the laws over and say that it is not suffering, that is life is bliss, you know, like sort of like flip everything like it's like it's almost like look, looking at like looking on at the, it half half empty half half gotcha. full kind of thing you know like the idea was that the, the thing that was lurking in my mind is that you don't know anything about suffering like you, you lived a good life you know that's why you don't know about suffering so but now that you're sitting down here meditating do you want to know what suffering is it's almost like the the voice I can't really say it's a voice because I didn't hear it but it's kind of like a thought mm-hmm. the thought was like it was coming from somewhere saying to me do you want to know what suffering is and then i said okay yes i want to know what suffering is so then then it was like a series of tests afterwards okay. so i was like okay if you want to know what suffering is then like gouge your eyes oh my 
right. right? So then I started like gouging my eyes and, and I did all that kind of stuff. And then, then I was wearing like this necklace and then I had to, like, I was like choking myself and like, so anyway, yeah. Can, can I, is this just all in your head? So yeah. like the tests are yeah. made up all in your head yeah. and yeah. it's just one test after the other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, it was like a series of that. And, and then the end was that they said, okay, so if you really want to know what, what suffering is, then just, just sit there and like, just wet yourself. Oh, right. Wow. So like, it's basically like humiliation. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I sat there and I just like wet myself. Yeah. I think I cried. I, I can't remember. Mm. But then it, this is, this is the delusional part. Like when I opened my eyes, I was thinking, okay, so in the back of mind, I'm thinking like, after I do all these tests, I'm going to open my eyes. I'm going to be in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like that's how it was going to end. Mm-hmm. But then when I opened my eyes, it was just, I'm still there. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like, uh, I, I left that place mm-hmm. and this is, this is like a few days without sleep and no food too. Right. Or... No, I think I did still eat. Okay. Like, cause I ate at the, at the course on the yeah, course. Right. So, so no sleep. Yeah. Do you think it was due, like, I'm sure due to the lack of sleep, it contributed to this? I think sleep definitely had, had like, uh, there's a, there's a factor. Cause yeah. I know that they, they always say when you, when you don't sleep, you, you do become delusional. Mm. Like you start seeing things mm-hmm. and hearing things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is how, what, uh, after two, three days of no sleep or? Yeah, probably about there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the other days, like very little as well, yeah. leading up to it. So anyway, so I so I left that place. Mm. I don't know, like you probably don't want to like have a five hour <laughs> podcast, but it's like like lots of other things happen yeah. in India, right? Mm. Like lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the point is, like I think I'll just probably skip to just the the end, okay. which yeah. is like the I guess like the worst part mm-hmm. was when um, I ended up going to this this staying at staying at a place like a really like cheap place i i did some crazy things in the hotel i was in the lobby i stripped off all my clothes yeah. um i ran around like you know in the in the hotel and then the next day one of the other hotel visitors okay. she was like a trainee doctor so she took me to see some psychiatrist or something but anyway before we could actually do something with it I had this thought come in my head. He said, okay, so just, just like, whilst I was standing there, I said, just fall back, mm-hmm. right? And so when I fell back, like, she caught me. So that gave me a confirmation. I was like, oh, okay, so it's true. Like, the, that voice is, like that, or that, that message was, was like good, right? Like someone protected yeah, you, someone yeah. stopped you from hurting yourself. Yeah. So then the next thought straight away was like, I looked at the stairs and I'm like, okay, so I knew what I had to do. Mm-hmm. So I walked up like a flight of maybe like five, six steps, and then, and then I jumped, uh, like headfirst into the pavement, mm-hmm. like the concrete pavement. And then I, I like smashed my head and then I sat up and I was just thinking about like trying to analyze like what happened. Cause mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that to happen. I yeah, thought like something. someone was meant to have, someone was meant to have caught me or mm-hmm. something or something like that. But what does it mean? You know? Um, so I was still trying to make sense of it, but before I could really do anything with it, you know, like it, it was too dangerous and, and therefore she called the ambulance and they strapped me up. Um, they brought me to the mental hospital, um, and then injected me with something to, um, to knock me out. Right. And then when I woke up, uh, so it was like mom and dad and, mm. and Winnie. So mm. like my ex, yeah. they were there and they were there for like, I think a few days, maybe yeah. like 
I think a few days, maybe almost up to a week. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was very dazed. Like, I didn't know what was going on. Was Half really didn't really it. know where I was. Yeah. And this was because of the, like, I guess the medication that they had given you as well to kind of calm you down? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because that is meant to, I think it's just meant to sort of shut you down so right. you don't really go and do anything, mm-hmm. you know, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of want to say where we were at that time as well, mm. just to give you a little bit of yeah, a break. Yeah, yeah. So I was in year 10, I remember, yeah, I think I was in year 10, so uh, 15, 16 years old. Mm. I just remember actually being at school and mum calling me and her saying, oh, like your dad and I went to India, mm. like something's happened to Frank. Because mm. how we always saw you, we... Or, you know, you were someone we always looked up to and Mm. it was... And I think even, like, I can't even remember even knowing if you went to India or anything because you were, like, you would come visit us, but, you know, we never really lived in the same house after you Mm. kind of, you know, grew Mm. up. Mm. So I wasn't even, like, I was like, oh, maybe something, like, happened. I I didn't even really think much Mm. of it. Mm. But also knowing that, yes, it it may have been something a bit bigger if my parents, if our parents had to go to go and see you. Mm. I really actually distinctly remember it was like a metal chairs mm. in front of like the PE room or whatever. Mm. I don't know if you, if you go back to my high school, you know what yeah, I'm talking no, you about. Mean, yeah. But I remember sitting there taking the phone call from mum. But anyway, yeah, mm. that was kind of where we were at, I guess, when our mum and dad went over mm. to kind of take care of you. Mm. So how long were they there for before you came back to us? Sorry, came back to Sydney. So I think it was like up to, I think it was like about maybe five days. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then we, and then we flew back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember yeah. you, I don't know if you remember this, but it was cause it was this house. Yeah. And I remember you coming in from the, like coming in from the door, like into the kitchen, you know, you had your head shaved. Did you have yeah. to shave your head for the gloss? Nah, nah. Okay. I, I just chose to. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to be spiritual. Fair enough. <laughs> like <laughs> really embody, embody yeah. the, the, the person or the character. Yeah. That's fair. You were, you were never really big, yeah. but yeah, like quite really like small and skinny and yeah. like kind of smiling, but you could just tell you were like, it was a different person. Mm. Like how I saw you and how I remembered you mm-hmm. was different from this person that came in. Like you mm. were happy, like happy, but you were, you, you could tell like something was like, you were a bit out of it. Mm. At this stage, you obviously don't know you have a mental disorder, right? Or do you? Or well, have you been diagnosed? Well, at that point, that's when, I think that was the point when the doctor, it was either the psych, psychiatrist over in India or, or the psychiatrist back here who diagnosed me as bipolar disorder. I think it was here actually. Yeah. Because over there, I didn't have the low episode. So over there, I just had a psychotic episode. Mm -hmm. So that's what they called it. You know, like when you're fully like delusional and you completely lost control. So it's like a psychotic episode. And then when they uh, sent me back here, we had like follow-up sessions. And then that's when they sort of followed over a period of time and, and, and sort of, labeled me as uh with bipolar disorder yeah how did you feel as the psychiatrist or the doctor when they told you frank you have bipolar i guess just talk me how how you felt about it or if you didn't really feel anything it was just whatever the funny thing with at at least at least from my experience right the crazy thing about my experience of having bipolar disorder is that it's it's Mm. bipolar it changed like it's Mm. it's so different Right. right so Literally, when I'm at my high, 
I could, I could, I could, I could walk around and I could be like, yeah, I got bipolar disorder. This is like my superpower, you know, like, <laughs> like you know, I, like I didn't care who I say it to, I didn't care who I share it to, um, I didn't care whether. Basically, I have no care, right? So, so it doesn't bother me at all, right? Uh, so that's so that's one end of the spectrum, and the same person, me. When I'm at my my low, like yeah. depression, yeah. and and I'm lying in bed, and and all I'm thinking about is just what other people think of me, and what is what the the conversations are going to be like when I when I meet them again, and what I have to say, and how I'm going to have to sort of tiptoe around so I don't have to say everything or whatever, and and I don't want them to know, and and so so it's basically a mixed bag of all of those things, right? I think maybe with some, like maybe with a different type of mental illness, mm-hmm. then you might have a bit more of a consistent right. type. Actually, maybe not, no, I'm not sure, yeah. but I, but I, but I know for, what what I do know for sure is that bipolar is like both ends of the extreme. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess just just to maybe fill in your um, your listeners if they don't know what bipolar mm-hmm. disorder is. Yeah. So so I'll just I'll just do like a quick rundown of of what I understand. Of, of actually of mental illness and then bipolar okay. right so so don't take my word for it because i'm not a psychiatrist but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah but this is this is my understanding mm-hmm. so in the mental illness uh, umbrella there's many different types of ent- mental illnesses so bipolar disorder is one of them and then you've got depression and you've got uh, anxiety and then you've schizophrenia. got schizophrenia and then there's probably like mania? others mania one no mania is uh, like a manic episode yeah mania okay. is a s- sort of a state those are the sort of like the main ones that I know of. So bipolar, uh, okay, so let's start with depression. It's an easy one to, to relate to, right? So depression is like normally when you feel crap, you feel crap, right? Mm-hmm. But pe- a person with depression, like they feel like super, super crap. Like yeah. like you're like low, low. You're like you can't even, at my worst, I just lay there and, and like all I had to do was go brush my teeth, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I sort of like I was ruminating for about four hours, right? Deciding whether I should go brush my teeth and and how that's gonna make me feel and all that kind of stuff and I just couldn't do it yeah. and I felt so pathetic you know yeah. that's the that's the worst thing because yeah. you just keep anyway so yeah. so that's that's sort of depression right mm-hmm. so it's like feeling really crap but like low low but you're sort of you're down there for for a long period mm-hmm. sorry not necessarily long but like for for it's an extended a very period low, yeah yeah it's not just it's, like you know I you feel crap that day it. you can't really yeah. snap out of it yeah right yeah so that's the depression. Anxiety is like when you're uh, when you're anxious about. I think I think I think the way that I've seen it described quite well is anxiety is a little bit more focused on the future. Okay. So something um, about the future that you are sort of nervous or anxious or or, or worried about the next day you're going to go to work and how you're going to perform, mm-hmm. or, you know, or uh, those kind of things, yeah. right? So, so it's sort it of like, it's more yeah. forward looking. Okay. Depression, I think, is more backwards looking. Right. Like you look at like all the things that have been in the past. Mm-hmm. You think like ha, like why was I so sh- stupid to have done X Y Z? Anyway, so I think that's a, that's one way to sort of like look at it. Mm-hmm. Bipolar disorder is like high highs and low lows. Mm-hmm. So in a normal person, you've got some days where you're feeling really jolly, really good. And then other days you're feeling low. So that is within a normal range. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not really affecting your life, yeah. you know. But 
bipolar is when you're high, you're like super high. You know, you you're like you you feel like you're Superman. You feel like, like a, a god complex. Yeah, you feel like, yeah. yeah. Like, so I can do anything. Yeah. You know, like nothing can't be done. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And everything everything that everyone says that can't be done, it's like, well, well you it. can't do it, but I can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, not not necessarily in a like an egotistical way. way. Yeah. 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 So that's the high highs, and then the low lows is just like the depression, right? So you flip between the two. So so that's the that's bipolar. I think like schizophrenia is more to do with. You sort of don't quote me on this, but I think more to do with like hearing voices and okay. seeing things and, yeah. and and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. when you were in India, you were go, you were having a really high episode. So you were really feeling like you were you know on top of the world, like yeah. you were this like godlike. Yeah. Person. So basically my sort of complex, my thing is like, I think it's called like the Messiah complex. Messiah. Okay. Messiah complex. So Messiah is like save the world. So when I was in, in India, the underarching thing that was going in my mind was that I, I was in a way kind of like either like a reincarnation or, or a something that has come into this world to like save, save the world yeah. and, and save the world in terms of like this world is going to be turned into like a paradise, like mm-hmm. a heaven paradise, you know, and everything leading up to that point was just for me to go from an unawakened state to an awakened state. And then now that I'm awake, I'm actually going to make it happen. Like that's sort of like the the story, you know what I mean? And I sort of had a strategy on, you know, how I'm going to do it and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was like the... the, the Thought process. That was India. like, yeah. And then when you moved, and then when you came back to Sydney, did that completely change or did you still have... So so what happened is they tested my urine yeah. in India and they found opium. Yes, I yeah, was going right? to um, ask you about that. And, and so I don't know how that happened because okay. um, on that trip, like I was saying, I was being, I was trying to be like mm. spiritual, shave my head, mm. like didn't drink any alcohol, didn't, mm. didn't even drink coffee, um, like, you know, only drank tea and water. Mm. I was eating vegetarian food. And so, so I didn't go to any bars or clubs or anything like yeah. that. So there's no, no way that it would normally get to me. Okay. Um, but anyway, it happened. And so, yeah, so, so somewhere, somehow, some mm. person or whatever... Or somehow it happened, I don't know. I ended up uh, having opium in my system. Right. Now that you look back or now that when you're talking about it, do you think that it was consumed or do you think like your body made it? I thought, I'd say ask the question in the beginning, is it possible to generate it? Yeah. But someone, I think one of the psychiatrists or one of the ones here, they said it's not possible. You, you have to consume, consume it. it. Yeah. Right. Did they contribute your kind of mental health disorder or your the spark of like your bipolar and being di- diagnosed with bipolar to the fact that you were let's say for a bit lack of a better word drugged yeah yeah right so yeah. they said it was the opium yeah so that's what that's what they said they said it was a it was that that psychotic episode was, due was to the a they call it a drug-induced psychotic episode um, so that's why when they said to come home just monitor it mm-hmm. and if everything is okay then everything's okay mm-hmm. like you don't have a mental illness mm-hmm. but it wasn't that way like when i came back here i, I still kept having these relapses mm-hmm. and it was like over a period of like months or, or even a couple of years yeah. where i would be all good mm-hmm. Like everything's gone back to normal, mm. you know, I can see things clearly now. Mm. Then I would sort of ease off the medication and mm. then I'll come off the medication. Yeah. 
and then bang, like I'll, I'll sort of do something crazy again. What, what kind of leads you up to doing something crazy? Like let's say you get off medication, you're like, okay, I'm at like a zero. Yeah. And let's just say like zero is the baseline, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you then like slowly, like these, these thoughts are like just, yeah. you know, trickling in and then yeah. they just build up and then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm God Frank again. Yeah, right. yeah. Like it creeps up, it creeps up again. And you're so, not aware of it. And then do you have any type of control over the thoughts? And it kind of just comes in and then you're inviting it in? So you're asking the right questions. Like the thoughts do start to creep in. And it is theoretically possible to just say, ah, it's just one of those thoughts again. I'm not going to entertain you. Mm-hmm. Uh, go away. Yeah. And li- I'll just continue living my life. Mm-hmm. So it is theoretically possible. Mm-hmm. But in a way, it's kind of kind of not possible because it's also very enticing mm-hmm. like those thoughts oh, okay. because like here I am back normal again mm-hmm. right so I had this episode and blah 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 mm-hmm. so I'm just normal Frank but then these thoughts come through that sort of entertain the idea that hang on you could still be that God Frank yeah that <laughs> God Frank Right. Let's call it. Let's call it the neo. Right. Because that's yeah. that's what like that's that's how um, that's how I identify that character yeah. like neo. Wow. Right. So so neo is the role is the is the character that ends up saving the world like right. saving like the human race. Right. Mm-hmm. So it kind of has that same sort of theme. Mm-hmm. And so 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 when these these thoughts come in, it, it makes me question what is the truth. This is the thing with the mind. It's really it's really challenging because, like, I can think about it very logically. Mm-hmm. I can say. According to everything that everyone said up until this point in the episodes I've had and, and, and everything that's happened, this is where we stand right now. Now, if you ask the question, are you still this character that, that is born into this world to, to you know, be awakened, yeah. to save the world and to enlighten everyone else? Mm-hmm. Are you that person? Then logically, if you were to take a, a normal person type thinking, mm-hmm. then of course you would say, you're not. Like, you know, this is stupid, right? Mm-hmm. But how do you know? <laughs> right? But because this, but so this is the thing that always gets me. Right. Like, how do you actually know? Because how, you can't prove it. You can't prove it. Yeah. You can't, like, until you live it out or, or to the end, like, how do you actually know? Mm-hmm. So it only becomes a thing that's on the side that you can either keep pushing mm-hmm. and therefore what I didn't want is to live my life to the end realizing that this is a mission that I should have done because I listened to everyone else yeah, yeah so so I still kind of like entertain those thoughts mm-hmm. until those thoughts sort of became so strong mm-hmm. that to me they were fact right no they were no longer just like a a a possibility mm-hmm. To me, it's fact. And it's so strong that it doesn't matter what, like literally what every single other human being in the world says, this is what I know. And they can't know what I know because they are not in that position. They're not playing that role. Mm. And, and this is where like this whole um, story mode thing okay. comes into play. It's like, that's the way that God designed it. It's mm. like this character 
is is meant to see that and only he is meant to be able to see that because because a good story isn't isn't like yeah he knows and then he just does it and then everything's done Mm. a good story is you've got the whole world against you Mm. right Mm. and that's what it is it's like yeah the whole world is against me and then i'm I'm just yeah they just don't don't know know what what i know know. yeah yeah so so then so then there's always that battle right so then that would be fine if i go along with my journey and life is still in general terms still going smoothly as in maybe i'm still maybe working or doing a business or whatever and then life is still moving forward but what ends up happening when i'm in this mode is i i can't keep up with those thoughts like it's just too like i'm here i'm there i'm there uh to the point where you know like i'm thinking thousands of years ahead of time or 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 whatever Mm -hmm. and that doesn't link back to you know like today to give you a little bit of a break as well, I kind of want to talk about where we were, I guess, as a family through all of this. While you, I guess, you were relapsing, because at the time, this is a couple years ago, right? Like more than five years ago, surely. I think even during this time, mental health, speaking about like bipolar, anxiety, depression, I really don't even think it is what it is now, where mm. it's very, not necessarily common, but it's commonly spoken about. Yes. Everybody kind of. If you have anxiety and depression, you can feel quite comfortable speaking and accepting and sharing the fact that you have it. Yeah. So five plus years ago, that wasn't the case. Yeah. And I, again, I can only speak on my experience. Like, I don't know if our younger sister, Jackie, feels like this as well, or if mum or dad. Yeah. But for me, it was like this whole journey and writing it also with you as a family. For me, it was initially I was like, oh, no, no, like it when you kind of mentioned, oh, it must be the opium that um, made him mm-hmm. kind of like this. I was like, yeah, I'm banking on that. You know, mm-hmm. he, Frank, Frank is going to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Like when it didn't happen like that, I think I was really upset. And I guess this is also tying into having like att- attachment, like mm-hmm. attaching myself to that and banking on that, like the, the, the fact that, you know, you would go back to normal. Mm-hmm. And I think throughout like, like the one or two years or so, there were like a multiple relapses that you had where you were on medication and you you were okay and then you got off medication and you relapse again and I think for me it was initially I felt and this is like I'm going to be really honest I guess with Mm -hmm. my feelings as Mm -hmm. well initially Mm -hmm. I was really obviously very sad Mm -hmm. and when you did relapse I almost felt like embarrassed I think it was like embarrassment mixed with like sadness because I knew what type of like person you were and I guess maybe all the perceived person that I had of you Mm -hmm. from before, like how could he do this to himself again? Mm. And then also the impact that it had on like mum and dad as well. Mm. It was really like quite sad to see them. And because mum, you know, mum loves her kids Mm. so much. Mm. It was really as a someone who was younger Mm. and looking at that situation, it made me feel so like angry as Mm. well. I think like there was a lot of like embarrassment, upset and anger through all the relapses Mm. that you had. Mm. Like, I I, I guess I I think I told this to Jackie, but I also even remember, and I don't know if you remember this, but I I remember also like messaging you, like, I don't know if you remember this, like on Facebook, and I hope you don't have that Mm. message anymore. No, I I vaguely remember now that you say it, yeah. So I messaged you this like really long message saying Mm. that like, 
but I was like really upset and mm. I was like really angry and I think it w would have been during a relapse that you had that like you say you went out and then mum couldn't find you and mm. and mum was like up all night like really stressing out and I, I think I was like really angry about mm. that and mm. Like I was seeing her suffer and mm, it was mm. a message that I think saying something like, you know, like I never even want to call you my brother again, like something like that, mm. right? Because now the feelings, looking back on it, is mm. feelings of guilt, feelings of a lot of like, I feel so guilty and I feel really angry at myself for even, how could I even have those thoughts to someone who was so close to me, who was like my brother, my blood, and who had given us like everything. I think now it's just, yeah, it's definitely feelings of guilt and like how do you have so much like because i've always like we you know we always love our family we are very very close how could you even feel those feelings or feel those emotions for someone who loved you so much and who who you love so much i think when i look back it, it just comes from a place i just didn't understand it and i didn't understand i didn't understand what you were going through and like i can't even imagine how hard that would have been i know to like go through all of that and then also maybe for you like the the feelings that you feel now so now i just feel really i think i've definitely like been able to process it and it, it had this impact on our parents and us as a family as well i think it was like one of the best things that could also really happen because it made me appreciate family in like a in a way that i never like i I love my family and I love our family so much and all our cousins and everything that, you know, mum has kind of built for us. But I think maybe even sometimes I think if we didn't even go through all this hardship as a family and we were able to kind of stick through that till the end, like we wouldn't maybe be as close. That's more from like a family or like a sibling perspective first of all i think just to make you feel a bit better you don't need to sort of feel too bad about that episode because number one i i i've got a pretty bad memory so <laughs> okay. i didn't really sort of hold things on too much <laughs> and and number two i think like like the part that you're feeling bad about in terms of me not having enough support or or whatnot in a way i kind of feel that i kind of really don't want to say this but in a way i kind of feel like whoever's experiencing it they just have to experience it like obviously you can be there for them you can give them the support i think the best thing you can do is to be there for them when they reach out to you, mm -hmm. you tap on their shoulder every now and again to see if everything's all right yeah. and and, that, and mm -hmm. let them know that you're there but beyond that i don't think there is honestly that much that you can really do if i'm like feeling depressed then honestly, I don't think that there's really anything that anyone can say or really do to get you out of that. To point. really get me out of it. Like, mm -hmm. in a way, I kind of feel like I just have to ride through it. Yeah. Or like, you know, just go through it. Like, it doesn't sound very encouraging, mm -hmm. you know, because, because we want a fix to it, you know. Mm -hmm. We want like, we want like a quick fix. Mm -hmm. But I think there are things that you, you can do that actually can make it worse which is getting in the way too much okay. like a lot of the times it, it, maybe maybe it's a personal preference maybe yeah. everyone's different mm -hmm. but for me personally a lot of the times i just need that time and space and i just want to i just want to get away like I, I don't want it to be around or too many people or whatever mm -hmm. and so if there's too many people like, oh, like friends coming like how are you going you know can i help you and like actually i kind of really don't really want mm -hmm. that i think mum like mum is a bit of a special case because she's she's the type that would do and try everything mm -hmm. right like everything that she hears about 
that she knows that's good, she'll try it, you yeah. know? So it's good that we did do a lot of different things, you know, like from psychologists to psychiatrists to just normal GPs to counsellors to like, she wasn't even looking at me staying over in the private hospital, even during times when I'm, I wasn't unwell. Like she was toying with everything to, to help, right? So that was that was good in a way to sort of, to, to touch on all of those things. And maybe for some people, like that is good because one thing that works for me might not work for someone else and, and vice versa. So just to trying like many different things, they might find that, for example, counseling might work really well for them. Mm. Um, but, but honestly, what I found in the end that worked really well for me, at least in, I guess, like the mainstream service, mm -hmm. which contributed to the way that mum was able to yeah. find it, yeah. was her ability to find me a good psychiatrist. It's ironic because she probably, there's so many different services that she tried to get me to go to, go to which I don't think any of them really helped, but she did give, she did get me like a really good psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And, and I wouldn't have gotten that if I, if I had gone myself. Mm -hmm. Cause when I went to the first psychiatrist, I'm like, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. He seemed mm -hmm. all right. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, 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 no way. He's good. Like this guy's, this, he's not good. Like there's, he's, something's not right with him. Oh, mum Mum, yeah. Oh, okay. And then mum went to another guy. Yeah, he's all right. Like he's all right too. <laughs> but like, I heard another guy's better, you know? Yeah. And then so she finally found like this guy who's like, who's a psychiatrist and he's also the head of one of the, the psychiatry ward in, mm -hmm. in Liverpool uh, Mental Hospital. Is that Shin Shingeri? Shingeri, Dr. Shingeri, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So we eventually found him and he was really good. Like someone who, who actually works but actually cares for the patient, mm. you know, as well. Uh, yeah. So he knows his stuff yeah. and he's actually compassionate. Like he, he feels for you and he cares mm. for you. What made Dr. Shriguri a really good psychiatrist, one, and two, is it just maybe specific to you? Like he just resonated with you? Like, do you think someone else could meet him and not really vibe no, with him? Like, do you have to vibe, like have that connection with the specific psychiatrist? Like, of course, it doesn't matter how good a psychiatrist someone is, if you go, to see him and you don't vibe with him, you're then not it's not, you're, you're, yeah, you should go somewhere else. Mm. So that's, that's, you have to tick that box for sure. Mm. But usually if it's one of these kind of doctors that genuinely cares for their patients mm. and they have very good, like they know what medications to use mm -hmm. and what to do and mm -hmm. why things happen in certain cases and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, so they have the good sort of knowledge mm -hmm. as well. Then those two paired together, like you said, I think are like the, the main things that right. I think, uh, yeah. Make a good psychiatrist, yeah. What would be like a typical um, session? So typically you'd actually go see him when things aren't going well. He would just talk to you and he just say, he would just say, okay, so like, what's going on? And then, so he would just let you speak. Mm -hmm. Through that, he'll ask more questions. It's just like understanding like where you're at. It's saying, you know, I've decided to take on this project and okay, yeah, so what are you trying to achieve? And okay, so then, so he'll ask more, mm -hmm. but I think as he's digging, he's making an assessment of your mm. mental health. Right. So he's seeing whether or not your thought, whether there's logic in your thinking, gotcha. or, or if it's sort of becoming a bit delusional yeah. or very grandiose, mm -hmm. or, and also, also other, other cues, like how, how fast you're speaking. Because mm -hmm. uh, when you're high, you speak very fast. I guess with like medication as well, what kind of medication have you taken and are you like on medication now? Um, I take two types of medication now mm -hmm. and they are both like mood stabilizers. Okay. So what they, what, what the purpose of them are is so that you don't have 
your highs aren't too high mm-hmm. and your lows aren't too low. It sort of keeps you in that like happy medium. Yeah. Uh, so with a normal person, they would stay in that medium and they don't have those super highs and super lows. Yeah. Um, whereas for me, I can go too high or too low so those medication are meant to sort of keep me in that barrier i was also always i guess interested to hear if you think that taking medication and this is medication that you've been taking i guess for years now and you will continue to take for the rest of your life do you think that it has any impact on your personality or you as a person do you ever feel like like taking medication has now changed me it would let me reach my full potential or it's a limit in any type of way well i I did think this at the beginning so i did think that uh because uh, um my general understanding of it was that it it sort of kind of it basically slows you down Mm -hmm. like it doesn't get you to sort of get too excited and you know think too many thoughts so in that respect I always had the end goal in my mind that eventually when I'm sort of sorted, um, I'll go off the medication. Then what happened was um, because I had so many of these episodes, mm-hmm. it reached a point where they were like, you know what, like if you don't have medication, you're going to have another one of these episodes. So mm-hmm. it it's, it's basically like a verdict that you're going to be on this medication for the rest of your life. Yeah. When I understood that, I wasn't, I wasn't sort of really happy with that. But over time, a couple of things changed. So the first one was my, my number one was like my definition of recovery. Mm-hmm. So my definition of recovery before was no medication. Yeah. If, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm not taking medication anymore and then I'm fully recovered. But now my definition of recovery is that I can do all the things that I want to do uh, without sort of any problems like no no issues like mentally which takes the medication out of the picture doesn't matter if I'm taking it or not right so so with that sort of redefinition then I'm a lot more comfortable with taking the medication but having said that with in terms of like does it affect you in terms of does it change your personality I think if you don't have the right dosage Mm -hmm. then it can change it in the sense of you feeling like maybe too lethargic too tired that in that kind of way but I don't think it changes you like you know you become more giving or you become more angry or Or like yeah i I can only speak in my experience Mm -hmm. with the medication and and my experience with the medication that i'm taking with the dosage that i'm taking is it basically doesn't affect my life it doesn't change who i am in any way yeah i can't say that for anyone else because everyone reacts to medication differently and choosing the right medication is a challenge and choose the right dosage is also a, a challenge. I don't know if you, you probably do remember this story or this situation when you were in, I think it was Liverpool Hospital. Right. Um, and I think we just went in to visit you and I bought you a Ralph Lauren polo. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let, yeah. let me just fill you in with this. So I think I went, went overseas and I, I bought the men in the family a polo shirt. I think I had given it to Frank already. So like, yeah, I was like really happy. And then we went to visit him in, we went to visit you in the psych ward. And then I remember you like coming up to me or like, well, whatever, we were kind of just chatting. And so I asked Frank, 
like, where's the polo shirt that I gave you? Like, oh, like, or you should wear your polo shirt that I got you. So I think you came over and you were like, you were kind of smiling and then you were like, oh, like, I actually gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing with Frank, I think during these, like when he had these like episodes or he had these like relapses was he would buy things or like he would get things and he would just give it all away. Like, because I guess that's in that, the Messiah complex of saving the world where you just want to give, right? You're kind of thing was give everything away like everything that i receive like i don't need it let's just give it to whoever whoever does need it and the thing with that was how can you argue against it like i was like but i bought this for you and i was really upset i think i cried in the car because <laughs> i was so angry because i bought this for frank frank then just gave it to like someone else in the ward and then I was just thinking about someone else wearing my brother's shirt, my brother's <laughs> nice polo shirt in the ward. Like even me speaking about it, why is that a bad thing? It's a good thing that you are giving and you are, you know, you are especially giving to people that need it more or whatever. Like in hindsight, even now that I'm thinking about it, again, it was just a shirt and it would be different if it was something else. <laughs> but it's just a shirt and it's actually really good that you gave something away, right? You did touch on like how we can, like or people around you can support you by kind of just being there and yeah. being open to listen to you. One actual question I wanted to ask was, did you maybe lose any friends along the way? I think because of all of the things that, that happened and maybe because of the stage of life that I was going through as well, like like my friends were just kind of like naturally dispersing anyway. Like mm -hmm. we weren't, like everyone was starting to have kids. So mm -hmm. we they, like people weren't sort of getting together as much. And a lot of my friends, they they were like either you know, like in Hong Kong or some of them still in London or, or New York or whatever. So we didn't really have like those frequent like get togethers and stuff. Mm -hmm. In terms of like losing friends, I don't I don't really feel like I lost any friends, mm -hmm. like in that way. So mm -hmm. I so that I didn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. I definitely didn't see them as frequently, mm -hmm. uh, but that was just because like either I didn't want to go out or, or whatever. But there but there was there was if you if you sort of talk along this topic, there, there was a few things I heard where I guess sort of like slightly more distant friends, like they will say some like not very nice things. Right. I can't remember, but basically, mm -hmm. you know, like it, I guess it's just like teasing or something, you know, like... Like making a joke out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Either making a joke or like, yeah, because yeah, I, I can't, honestly can't remember, but yeah. it's like, you get the point, right? It's yeah. just like probably like, and, and, and the joke, the joke could be not necessarily just like a ha-ha joke. It could be actually like in a kind of condescending way it could have been i don't know but that but, but there wasn't anything like you know i've got these friends here and then now they know i have this and they're not supportive or they don't, they don't want to be my friend anymore mm -hmm. i think if anything they seem they seem to treat me like normal yeah. or, or or did a lot of your friends yeah. know that you were ha like that you had bipolar or that you mm -hmm. were kind of going through it so 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 you don't announce it and then i like and then i i don't i didn't really like, how do you check if who knows what? Like, sometimes I'll meet up with people and actually don't know who knows and who doesn't, you know? Like, and, and I think, like I told you, my memory's not very good. So some people I've already shared stuff with and, and I don't remember if I have or not. For me, I feel like one of the, the biggest things, like if there's someone who, who like any of your listeners or, or, or if they have friends, anyone who does have any sort of mental illness, if they can talk about it more openly and freely, like quicker, mm -hmm then the mental illness itself is going to have less of a hold on them. It becomes less of a blocker. Yeah. 
Like, so right now, like, let's say, for example, you've got a mental illness, right? And, and, and you got depression. And, and even though you say, like, it's easy for people to talk about because blah, blah, blah. But honestly, to actually talk about it, it's, it's not, not really yeah. that easy. Yeah. Like, especially if you have to think about other things. Say, say would, when you go into work, would you want to tell your boss about it or your colleagues? Like, what are they going to think about you? Or are they going to judge you when, they, when, you, when you work on team projects? So there's many things to think about, right? But I feel that the... the quicker it is you get to the point where you are able to start like sharing that and 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 hopefully to the point where you can just share it a lot more openly um, when you get to that point it becomes so much more freeing mm -hmm. because you, you you no longer have to hide. sort of hide this thing yeah, and then awesome. and then that's the point where you can embrace it make fun of it like toy with it it's mm -hmm. just like it's just like um, I don't want to say this example. It's like you say you say like you're mole, right? <laughs> like like you know if you if you're kind of like want to hide and everything, then it's like then it's then then you're not gonna like it. But then when it becomes a part of you, then it's part of your my it's brand. part of it's part of your brand, and then you embrace it. It's like actually it's my style. It makes me unique. I like it. Mm -hmm. Like and then it becomes from a negative, it becomes a positive. Mm. You know. But I think there's a journey that people have to go through. So mm. straight away, it's not I'm not advising that. Like from nothing to bang, you know, like tell it's everyone, like, you know, yeah. like I've got this, I've got that, you know, all these problems. But at least, but at least, I feel at least aim to talk more about it. Yeah. Start with like friends and then so family, friends, and then open up that circle. And how when you share your vulnerabilities, like you talk about your flaws and stuff like that, then actually it, it allows more connection. People relate to that yeah. more, yeah. you know, and then they're like, oh, actually, this guy's not that picture perfect, whatever. Mm. I can share whatever as well. Mm. And then it builds uh, friendship and mm. trust. It makes life actually a lot better. Yeah. Um, then always trying to create that, you know, like... It's persona yeah, this yeah persona. without like any of your your flaws not, yeah. not saying that mental illness is a flaw but anything that you're going through yeah 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 that's awesome i don't know what the true cause is if mm. we could say that if you could actually say it's just one thing okay. like it could be a, a culmination of many many things yeah. like i was saying like starting from from high school yeah. and, and all the way mm -hmm. and bits and pieces of everything like mm. it's it's i feel like everything's kind of interconnected to to lead to that um, I don't think it's just like one event or certain events mm. that uh, that made that happen. Yeah. I actually don't really know as well um, how m like these kind of like mental illnesses sort of come about because yeah, um, like is it gen like is it genetic? Is it yeah? I think I think a lot. Some honestly, I don't think anyone knows to be right. honest. Like if you google it and you try to like look for like the cause mm -hmm. people don't know mm -hmm. and that's why even the medication isn't like the, the medication isn't i guess like that scientific in that way okay. like it's not like let's say for example you've got uh diabetes or uh, you know high cholesterol you've got to take certain types of medication that that does this that does that that mm -hmm. does that and then you're fixed because mm -hmm. that's physical mm -hmm. right this is mental mental is what mental is is uh, non-physical. So to treat something non-physical, like a disorder that's non-physical, it's a lot of trial and error. And that's why all the medications, it's like, for, it's like I have bipolar, the guy next door has bipolar, I take this medication, it works perfect for me. He takes the medication, he gets like 50, uh, you know, um, side effects yeah. and nothing works. Yeah. You know, so so it doesn't like... Um, it's not a one size fits all type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's, just... and that's why I think when we talk about like cause, mm. 
I don't really feel that we can really identify cause. Because if, if we can say that this is the cause, then that means we should be able to say this can alleviate that cause. If that's what the cause is, then now I can have a medication or a something mm -hmm. that can stop that cause mm -hmm. so that uh, that guarantees the person will never have mm -hmm. mental illness or bipolar, yeah. you know? Which I don't think that happens. Like, yeah. it just kind of... No one really knows. It mm -hmm. just happens. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, like... All my life, nothing happened, and then India happened, and then bang, it happened. Supposedly, the the opium like triggered something, and then and then and then it's like forever. What we can, I guess, see from this as well is that it is such a long. It's been a really long journey, and it's like you said, like I think with mental illness, it's never. It's not like a cold or a flu. It's something that you are, you know, going, I guess, going through every single day and then you're, you're living with every day. At this current moment and in your stage of life now, do you still have any of those, I guess, like, neo-thoughts? This, this, is, this is my my personal perspective on mental health. What I believe is that we all have some sort of mental illness. Like, everyone. Everyone has some sort of mental illness. So so the only difference is that it's just varying in degrees, mm. right? Like some people, they border between, you know, let's give it a scale, like five and minus five. Mm -hmm. Some people, 10 minus 10. Some people, 20 minus 20. Some people, 100 minus 100. Some people mix a bit of delusion in there, mm -hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. some people like a lot of depression down here. Mm -hmm. And then some people with bipolar, maybe like a thousand minus a thousand, mm -hmm. right? But either way, no one is sweet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like no one is like, man, I'm sweet. Like mm -hmm. this is good, right? Yeah. So in a way, everyone requires work. People that go off the extremes, mm -hmm. that have issues and it, and it obviously affects their life, like what happened to me before, that go off the charts, then that's when it really helps to have medication and other means, whatever counseling, whatever it is to help sort of bring that back into a relatively sort of norm. But even that norm, in my opinion, requires work, right? Like, like you shouldn't stay, you shouldn't aim for just being in that norm. So, so the thing that I feel that has really helped me get closer to the point of like being like sweet is meditation. Without meditation, then I, I know for a fact I wouldn't be where I am today. Without meditation, I'm pretty sure that I would still be having those relapses. Because no matter what was going on before, mm -hmm. no matter what medications I was on, no matter what type of counseling I was going to, the relapses, like it just kept happening. And it was almost expected by the psychiatrist that you're gonna have relapses for the rest of your life, so just just deal with it. Like mm -hmm. you just have to be ready for that, right? Mm -hmm. So that was almost like what what they they told me. Well, very very fortunately, I found uh, this particular type of meditation that I do. This was the thing that was able to even that out. I'm just giving, I'm just throwing a number out there mm -hmm. to maybe like plus five minus five. Mm -hmm. So I'm staying in a like a really beautiful like sweet spot. The thing is, what I feel is like with other people who who have mental illnesses uh, like bipolar or, or depression or, or the other types, the kind of fixes that you get traditionally, so let's say like, you know, you jump on some medication like or do some exercise mm -hmm. or whatever, like the talk to someone, walk your dog. Ones. Yeah, just normal tips, yeah. right, to make you feel better. Then I feel like it's kind of just, 
helping you get through that stage for a moment in time, mm-hmm. but it's not going to the root of the cause. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. It's not fixing the actual problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you're coping with it. But take any of those elements away and, and, and you're back to where you, you started again. Mm-hmm. So that's where I feel that meditation really helps because you are using your mind to fix your mind, mm-hmm. right? Wow. Because only you know your mind, mm-hmm. right? Like all of the things that I was sharing to you about when I was trying to describe being Neo mm-hmm. and even though no one else knew what that was, only I knew what that was. was. All those kind of thoughts, and then therefore when I played played out that role, I would then take X, Y steps, which would lead me to buy a lot of things, expensive things, which makes me, leads me to give away your Ralph Lauren shirt or whatever, whatever, whatever. (laughs) All of those things, only I know why I did those things. The, The real reasons why I did those things. And I only know clearly what those things are because I meditate. There are many things that you probably do mm-hmm. that you do, but you actually don't truly, really clearly know why you do them, mm-hmm. right? Because you, because maybe you haven't had the need to, to think about it or, yeah. or even if you try to think about it, it's kind of like, actually, well, was it this or was it that mm-hmm. reason? Or, you know, why did I buy that? Or like, you mm-hmm. know, like it wasn't very clear, right? But all of those little links, I can link it together because meditation allows me to use my own mind mm-hmm. to inspect my own mind mm-hmm. and the things that have happened in the past, mm-hmm. to piece together the puzzle, yeah, to see. understand why I did what I did, mm-hmm. which then allows me to make an informed decision for what I should do next. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think I've stabilized mm-hmm. in that way. And I think someone who hasn't gone through that experience will, in my opinion, kind of never stabilize. Mm -hmm. Because if they had the same ups and downs, but they don't truly know for them Mm -hmm. why, Mm -hmm. then they're just throwing, like, medication at Mm -hmm. it. They're throwing the walk. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, well, I guess last time I felt a little bit better after I went for a walk. Maybe I should go for a walk now. Mm -hmm. But then they go for a walk now, they they don't feel better. Maybe Mm -hmm. they feel worse. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hey, what does that mean? There's, the logic doesn't add up. And, oh, but maybe I, I need to go see that. Like you know, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, like it's not clear what yeah. they have to do, mm-hmm. and therefore they are still caught in that in that cycle. Yeah. So I feel that if someone wants to be, for the lack of a better word, cured, helped properly, like mm-hmm. to the to the root yeah. from this, then they need a good meditate like meditation practice or some sort of practice like that mm-hmm. where they're able to clearly piece together how their mind works mm-hmm. what led to the decisions that they've made mm-hmm. so that they can yeah clearly see the correct path going forward yes. so 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 for me yeah. like i meditate as as much as i can like say say even before we we came uh, to start this mm-hmm. podcast right mm-hmm. so i got here about 10 minutes earlier mm-hmm. and even in, within that 10 minutes i just sit there and meditate yeah so in the morning like i would i would typically get up and meditate like depending on the time i wake up and depending on time the kids wake up mm-hmm. an hour or two hours whatever yeah and then during lunchtime, I have time. Good, good thing about work from home now, so mm-hmm. I can just sit down and just meditate. Yeah. And night before I sleep, so yeah, I just meditate like basically as much as I can. Between when I went through it and now, 
I would say that definitely the positive thing that I see is that is is, is like the openness. You know, like it's 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 there. It's talked about a lot. So, so in theory, I don't know how in practice how how much this helps, but in theory, it should be a lot easier to talk about, right? So, in in that respect, I think that's a very positive thing. In like I like I, I am I am a little bit biased in a way in terms of like what we should do when it comes to mental health. Uh, because of because of like what I've been through and my own experience and what I felt worked and, and didn't work. I guess like let's put it this way, right? So let's say for example, like if I didn't have to consider anything else, like politically or or whatever, right? And I've got like a I'm, I, I've got like a budget where I'm like, okay, I can spend this budget to help make mental health better, mm-hmm. right? Then the couple of things that that I would actually do is or, or the thing that I would actually focus on the thing that the thing that I would actually focus on is actually number 1 meditation yeah. and number 2 philosophy i think at the moment those kind of topics are very sort of a little bit like left field like mm-hmm. kind of like hippies and whatever like yeah. some people like look at it but mm-hmm. it's not very mainstream i, I guess it's becoming mainstream yeah. but even the mainstream is is it's kind of like very filtered, right? yeah and it's very airy fairy and stuff like that so so the reason why i touch on those two things is so obviously we talked a bit about meditation before uh, um already which i feel if for example people were a lot more people were meditating then mm-hmm. i genuinely feel that there would be a lot less mental health issues period wow. yeah. uh, and i think like even though like this like the app like say headspace mm-hmm. and and others uh even though i don't think it's the most effective way but even like some way like that uh, getting people to at least you know taking a break and sitting down and calming themselves and 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 whatever like would, would already make a, a big difference mm-hmm. so if you then took it to another level and and looked at you know some other types of meditation then you can get like a lot lot more uh, benefit so mental mental health wise it'll be like hugely improved so that's that's one side and then the, when i talk about f- like philosophy or i don't know or i don't know what you call the category it's it's this right the thing that we know is a problem but we haven't really sort of pinpointed is that one of the things that contribute to mental health uh issues are the things that you consume so let's start with like social media you consume social media like every you know every couple of minutes you get a buzz or a status update or whatever take it out check you know you get that serotonin hit or whatever it is and you put it away right you feel better and you put it away you're always seeking that right so you are never actually at that nice like we let's call it the sweet spot right you're never at that nice sweet spot you're always in a sort of state of like agitation mm-hmm. or anxiety it's not calm it's not proper calm i'm like that i, I meditate a decent amount mm-hmm. and 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 i'm like that too mm-hmm. there are days when if i'm trying to like buy the cheapest thing on amazon whatever mm-hmm. like and i'm checking and stuff like mm-hmm. i'm also like in that state as well yeah. but at least i'm aware of it right and i don't let it get out of control mm-hmm. um but i think for most people that, that's that's their norm mm. right the first thing they do is to wake up the phone wake up in the morning look at their phone mm-hmm. um yeah <laughs> you know like it's it's and, and and it starts the cycle like throughout the whole day and they never have that that proper balance 
And so therefore, they are like this, like all day, right? So it's no surprise. This, sorry, this is up and down. Up, up and, and down. down. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> they can't, yeah, I can't see. Yeah, so they're like up and down, up and down all day. And, and therefore, uh, something triggers them at the wrong time and boom, it, it explodes, right? So that's like, that's like when we talk about this. And then, and there's many other aspects, right? Like when, when you start talking about like uh, media, the media, the news that you listen to and how... Obviously, you know, it's always mostly the bad news that, yeah. that sells. Yeah. And therefore, if you're consuming a lot of that, then that's when you're getting like a flood of um, anxiety, like, yeah, worry. worry and yeah. all that kind of thing that mm-hmm. world's going to, you know, world's coming to an end and all that, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so there's lots of like things that I feel if you, if you look at it from a scary point of view, as a little kid who has access to the internet, they can get trapped in a really bad state everything they can like everything is is trying to get their attention right so they're never like relaxed they're always like on the edge and and they're always trying to like make that post that people are gonna like or they're trying to always think of the next uh, like you know nice instagram image or whatever it is right so it's always that all that energy gets exerted but it's not it's all bad energy. And so, so they're always in that state and they're get, getting this bombardment of like stuff from, from the news plus like stuff that they see or their friends doing. Oh, my friends are all traveling and mm. beautiful pictures and nice mm. bodies and all that. So they feel like inadequate and all those kind of things. When all of those things happen, it makes them feel like, you know, tiny. Mm. You know, it makes them feel this small. Mm. So I don't think that long term that is good for their mental health. Mm. Um, so I think those things can be looked at and addressed and and the way to address that i think is to educate from that more like a philosophical understanding in terms of like how things work you know like the reasons why you get all these things on your facebook is because facebook is designed to keep you on there as much as they can Mm -hmm. so they want you to have things that flash at you and if you if you can set up your phone to buzz every time you get a new notification, you're falling for that, and it's it's depleting your you're getting that serotonin hit. You're getting that yeah. So it's it's basically it's not good for you. It's like it's like educating him in that in that way, and then creating a path forward. It's like okay, so fine if you want to use social media and stay connected, that's fine. But this is how we do it. This is what we recommend between this time block out like one hour social media time every day between this time and this time after you've had dinner or something but not too close to before you go into bed or whatever you know so just sort of have like have that then i think that would help the things that i'm always looking at i'm more concerned is is let's try to fix the things that if we don't fix it will eventually turn into a mental health, a full-blown mental health issue. Yeah. But in terms of once it's become a full-blown mental health, then I feel like, at least with what I know and what I can do, that I don't really think I can really help that much. Right. Like it's up to, it's up, it really is up to the person. Because essentially what it's doing is it's giving them a stronger mental like stability and foundation. Like, yeah, as they grow. Like, so, so from, from young, like they're already building that normally, if you don't do anything, then they just, they just go with the wind, right? Whatever happens, happens. And, mm-hmm. and, and like we said, in this world at the moment, mm-hmm. the wind is not blowing very nicely. Like it's flying everywhere. Right. But if they, um, had some of that, that guidance, direction, right? yeah. And that direction, then that would, that would give them that foundation that makes them like more like mentally resilient and strong mm-hmm. so that when things do come their way, 
they they know how to deal with it. Yeah. But once it's got to that point, I think that like for me, I think that like the couple of things is like yeah, like you know the specialist and all that can come in, like the psychiatrist come in, and 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 depends how extreme it is, they might have to take the given the medication to sort of level them out mm-hmm. and work out like the right dosage, and then to get them out, I feel is where you then need to go through um, like do something like the meditation. But when you are in that state and you want to go through and do the meditation, it is challenging, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're dealing with like turbulence already. Yet at the same time, you've got to sit down and meditate and you're not even, because it's new to you, you don't even know if it works. Mm. Was Um, it difficult for you at first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I, I went through probably like two two years, three years without even knowing if it really is helping. But then, like you said before, like if if none of this happened, then I wouldn't found the meditation. Mm-hmm. Like, well, there was there are, there are many many times I've said this, and I and I I think I'll say this to the day I die, mm-hmm. that that I would I would go through it all again. Like I would never give that away mm-hmm. because of the fact that it's led me to the meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, because what the, like how much I value the meditation mm-hmm. is more than anything but any material thing out there. Yeah. Thank you to Frank again for coming onto the pod and being very vulnerable, although I know he felt quite comfortable to kind of share his experience, which is great. And thank you to you guys for listening. I hope you got something out of it and you kind of are more open-minded to mental health if you're not already. It's definitely given us a greater depth of understanding hearing someone talking about it who has a mental health illness. That is all for today's episode. Goodbye for now, but never forever.